are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you. Happy Monday. And yes, folks, we have a happy Monday. The Giants with a 36-20 win over the Miami Dolphins. Now, I've seen it on Twitter. People have said, so what? It's the Dolphins. They stink. Well, you know what? The Giants stink too this year. Someone had to win that game. The Giants just happened to win the game. And I don't know about you, but I'll take whatever positive uh, elements I can get out of this football season that come my way. And this was certainly a positive element. And before I get into why, just real quick, some housekeeping notes. Ed Valentine of Big Blue View is going to join us for segments two and three. We're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about Eli Manning's, uh, what we think is Eli Manning's swan song. And we're going to talk a little bit about the future. Also, as a reminder, Tuesday, Twitter Tuesday, you know what the routine is. So I look forward to getting your questions. Again, for those of you who want to email them to me, send them to LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. If you're tweeting them, it's at Patricia underscore Traina with the hashtag AskPTrain. All right. So I mentioned the positives of the Giants win over the Dolphins. And okay, the season, I think we can all agree that the season has not been, not given us much to be happy about. But for the first time, there were some hints of hope, glitter, glitters of hope, glimmers of hope in the Giants showing that, you know, make you wonder if maybe next year brighter skies are ahead. Now, what do they include? We'll start off with the defensive secondary. That group did not play as badly as I thought they were going to be. I thought they were going to get attacked and they were going to just fall apart. But I liked what I saw from DeAndre Baker, who, by the way, has played now three strong games in a row. I thought Sam Beal played a lot better than he did Monday night against the Eagles. Corey Ballantyne had some struggles, but you know, this that kid's going to be okay. More reps and more practice he gets in, as part of this process where they're converting him from um, an outside corner to a slot corner, and I think he's going to be okay. Julian Love, what can we say about Julian Love, folks? I mean, I still don't understand why the coaches didn't get him in the game a lot sooner, why they waited weeks to bring him along. One of the smartest players out there. And, you know, it's almost a shame that we didn't really get to see a whole lot of Julian Love play alongside of Jabril Peppers. I think I think those two would have been dynamite. And I think that the defensive secondary isn't as far off as maybe it initially looked. So I look forward to seeing next year Julian Love and... Um, Jabril Peppers as the safeties, Sam Beal and DeAndre Baker, the outside corners. And we'll see where, you know, Corey Ballantyne is. Again, he was learning a new position um, that he didn't really play as much in college. So, you know, the jury's still out on him. But that defensive secondary all of a sudden doesn't look that bad. The defensive front, 
Dalvin Tomlinson, if you had to give a, a, a most improved player, Dalvin Tomlinson probably is your guy. Guy's been playing really, really well. Kind of woke up after a slow start, and he's been playing really well. Leonard Williams had himself a, a strong game. Uh, B.J. Hill, part of the, that rotation, did well. Just, you know, that defensive front right now, a lot to be encouraged about. The only real position that the Giants need to obviously address, in my opinion, would be the linebackers. So add another, you know, pass rusher, especially if you're not going to re-sign Marcus Golden, who, by the way, I hope they do re-sign. I really like what Golden brings to the table. And maybe bring another off-ball linebacker into the mix. And I think that defense is actually not as far off as it initially looked. Now, I do believe next year we will see a defense, a different defensive coordinator. I'm, I'm, I do not think James Betcher is going to survive, regardless of what happens with Pat Shermer. And one thing I'd be curious to see is if the Giants go back to a four-three. I think a four-three might actually better suit some of their talent that they have. If, and if they do, they can maybe get away with uh, a linebacker core of say O'Shane Zimenez, maybe. Um, uh, Lorenzo Carter, if they don't bring back Marcus Golden, um, Chase Young, if they can get him in the draft, you know, have that three-man rotation, um, you know, just just a lot of promise there. And, you know, Ryan Connolly, of course, will be coming back from his ACL. He showed a lot of promise before his injury. But um, the defense, just you look at the talent and it's not as scary as it looked a few a few. Uh, you know, weeks ago. So it's just a matter of getting the right scheme in place and having these guys do what they do best. Now on the offensive side of the ball, we actually saw what the offense was meant to look like. We saw a running game with Saquon Barkley, who looked as good as he's looked all year, since, especially since coming back from that ankle injury. Sterling Shepard had a big game. Um, and the Giants actually were smart. They kept the tight ends mostly into block and help with the offensive line. And, you know, I look at that offensive line, folks, and, you know, I don't know that they're that far off with that unit either. They do need some changes, no question about it. But I really like Nick Gates and, and the two games he's played. I think Nick Gates's game is better inside. The question it then becomes, though, if you keep him inside, you know, do you put him at guard or do you put him at center? Now, I do know Nick Gates has, has done some work at center in practice. Um, I don't know how far along he is, but, you know, I, he has been learning the position. So the question now becomes is if you think he is a better fit inside at guard um, or inside at, at, at uh, guard or center, do you move Kevin Zeitler, for example, to, to center and put Gates at right guard, or do you flip that? Or maybe, who knows, maybe you just leave it as is, and you bring back, you know, Spencer Pulley and or John Halapio, and you put Nick Gates out at right tackle, where they're going to have a need. So really, I don't think they're that far off on that offensive line either. Now, a lot of people probably say, well, what about Nate Solder? I do think they're going to give Nate Solder another year. I mean, from a cap perspective, it doesn't make sense to cut him after this year. It's going to, they're going to take a big cap hit. With that said, I think they have to address that left tackle position, whether they do that, you know, with their second pick in the draft, you know, assuming there's a good offensive tackle there, 
or, you know, and when I say second pick, I mean second round pick, not not the first round pick. If, again, if Chase Young is there, he's going to be the guy. But here's the other thing to keep in mind. If the Giants win Sunday against Washington, I believe they're going to fall out of the top five draft slots, depending on, of course, what happens with the other the other teams. But uh, I think the Giants right now, who are at number two overall, if they win against Washington, they're going to drop down to, I believe, six. Now, you know, obviously still a couple weeks to go and some settling that still needs to be done at the top of the draft order, but it's going to be interesting to see. And of course, the Giants, they're not tanking. They're going to go and they're going to try and win these last two games. And and uh, we'll just see what happens when it's all, you know, when the dust settles. One final thought, I want to talk about the quarterback situation. Daniel Jones, you know, for whatever struggles he's had this year, very, very promising player. There's a lot to like about him. You know, what I would like to see maybe for next year, if the Giants do go in a different direction, I'd like to see Jones and in, in not so much of, of a West Coast offense, but in, you know, some kind of different, you know, more of a vertical uh, type of attack. I've never really been a big fan of the West Coast offense. Um, I don't think very many teams win Super Bowls running a pure West Coast offense. I think maybe Green Bay might have been the exception. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think the Giants definitely have something with Daniel Jones. Now, I don't know as I record this if he is going to play against Washington. If he is healthy, he will. Pat Shermer has said that much. Um, if he is not, then we will see Eli Manning again. And uh, we'll see how how that plays out. I mean, as of as of Sunday, when I watched Daniel Jones warming up, I did not think he was pushing off of his back, his right foot as well as he could have. So to me, he did not look ready. Now, that was Sunday. They don't play until the following Sunday. So there's about six days in between before they have to make a decision on him. So we'll see what the week brings. So, all right, folks, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View joins us. So stay with us. The Lock on Giants podcast is brought to you in part by BlueChew.com. Visit BlueChew.com and enter promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first shipment for only $5 shipping and handling. That's BlueChew.com. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. It is a special Monday edition of the Locked On Giants podcast. We have a win to talk about, a 36-20 win against the Miami Dolphins. And yes, I know, it's the Dolphins. They're not very good. But then again, the Giants aren't very good either. And one of these teams had to win, and just so happens it was the Giants. And here to talk to me, talk about it with me is good friend Ed Valentine a Big Blue View. And Ed... I hope we can remember how to discuss the win because it's been a while. It's a victory Monday, Patty. I, I, I'm not sure how to handle it. You know, it's it, it, plus, you know, Eli Manning called a little audible last night, gave, gave his teammates the day off, whether Pat Shermer wanted to give it to him or not. So, uh, you know, so a little, little fun, you know, finally a nice feeling, you know, coming out of MetLife Stadium last night. A different feeling. And you know what, Ed? It, it was just, you know, even though people are going to downplay it and everything, it was it was almost like, I don't want to say magical, but it, it was just different. That You could feel the energy. The crowd wasn't very, you know, it wasn't a packed house. 
but you could just kind of feel the energy and it, it, there was a buzz that just you hadn't seen or felt in that stadium in in quite some time and it, and it was just you know the Eli factor and and you know look let's get something straight though before anybody says oh here we go with with another Eli love fest Eli played a typical Eli game there were some bad decisions there were some bad throws there were some times when you say what are you doing man but you know to see the kind of send off he got just on the whole the big picture was just very moving, I thought, you know, I mean, if you didn't get moved in some way, shape or form by watching that, especially at the end there, then I, I just don't know what you were thinking. I mean, would you agree, Ed? Oh, certainly, Patty. I mean, you know, you mentioned the fact that it was against the Dolphins. And and you know what? I don't care if it was against the, the Patterson JV, for crying out loud. It was a feel-good day you know, just the the chance of thank you, Eli, and the chance of his name, and, and the way the Giants were able to pull him out and get him that ovation, and and all of that at the end. Although, you know, he said last night that that really made him uncomfortable, but you know that was kind of typical. It was just nice. You know, say what you want about Eli. He gave this franchise sixteen years. He gave them two Super Bowls. He represented this franchise with class. He showed up every Sunday. He didn't always play perfect football, but he was always there. He was always accountable. And like I said, I don't care who this was against. He deserved that one feel-good moment, and, and I was happy that he got it. As was I, Ed. But, you know, the game was so much more about Eli. You know, Eli, I think, would be probably sit here and be embarrassed that we're talking about him. But let's kind of talk about the game in general, some of the good things that came out of it. You know, Saquon Barkley, we were talking about it last night in the press box. And by the way, I'm annoyed with you because you didn't mention me in your coverage of what your day is like. Not a single mess mentioned, by the way. How, how, did, I, how did I know? that I was going to get in trouble for that. <laughs> How did I know? Uh, I, I knew it. I knew it. I, 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 I shouldn't have even come on this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was ticked off with you when I saw you run away with your food. I'm like, um, something's up with Ed. So, but anyway, um, let's talk about the football aspect of it for the first time. We saw probably what this team was meant to look like on offense with Saquon Barkley, just, looking like Saquon Barkley the first time since week two that he had a hundred yards rushing. Um, I think his, his rushing attempts was like the second or third highest total in his career. We saw um, a good distribution of passes. Sterling Shepard was the leader with nine for 111 yards along of 24. We saw a good mix. We saw the offensive line protect. Okay. Again, I know people are going to say, well, so what? It was the dolphins. They stink. But you know, you got like like you said, you got to start somewhere. And Ed, how how um, did you feel about seeing what this offense probably should have been like had they played better, had they had better breaks and whatnot? Well, obviously, it was nice to have Sterling Shepard healthy. It was nice for Saquon to look healthy. I wrote this morning that he finally looked like Saquon. There were there was some explosion. There were there were cuts. You know that that left guys you know, sort of whiffing on tackles. There were, you know, there were stiff arms. He looked dangerous, you know, for the first time in a while. 
Eli had protection. I mean, this looked like you said, Patty, it looked like what the offense, you know, what we thought it might look like, what we hoped it might look like. And, and, you know, no one's going to sit here and bang the drum for Eli Manning to be the quarterback. That's not going to be the case. I mean, he may play the last game or two, depending on Daniel Jones' health. But we know Jones is the future. It, it was just nice to see this offense function the, the way that it was supposed to function. And, and look, you know, we talk about all of these young players Darius Slayton contributed Nick Gates contributed. Caden Smith contributed on offense. Um, you know, Saquon had a good day. So it was it was it was nice to see all the way around. And, and it doesn't matter who the win is against. You you play who you know, you play who's in front of you. And in in terms of making progress, you have to start somewhere and you have to start by winning games at home that you're supposed to win. And that's what the Giants did yesterday. Exactly, Ed, and my feeling exactly. And, you know, you mentioned Daniel Jones, and I just want to revisit that topic just really quickly. I know Pat Shermer has said that once Jones is healthy, he's going back in there. Now, I watched him during warmups yesterday. Didn't look as though he could still fully push off that right leg, you know, but it was Sunday and, you know, really by Friday, he's got several days to kind of get that, you know, to make progress and he probably will. But my feeling is, and, and, you know, I got a lot of flack from it from people, but my feeling is, is look, the kid's not competing with Eli Manning for the future. Let him fully get fully right. Don't run the risk of, you know, that ankle getting worse or whatnot and just let him continue to kind of watch because, you know, one thing Eli does very well is he knows how to read protection and set calls and whatnot and put the players in the best positions to make plays. Let him continue learning because I always thought, you know, we were, we were kind of told by Gettleman and Shermer, the plan was the Kansas city plan, let the kids sit for a while, let them learn and then put them out there. And then of course, you know, they decided to pull the plug on Eli Manning after two games. What are your thoughts about, you know, Jones and, and whether or not, you know, if, if it were your call, you know, and we know what Shermer has already said, but if it were your call, would you sit him the rest of the year or would you get him back out there as soon as he was healthy? Well, it's interesting, Patty. I don't really, I don't have a problem with this either way that it ends up going. If it's me, if Daniel Jones is your quarterback of the future, if you're committed to him as an organization, if he's 100% healthy or close to 100% healthy for the last game or two, I, I think there's there's an argument to be made that that if he's your guy, then you have to play him. You know, the, the flip side of that, it, you know, and also – I mean, it would really be nice in a way for, for what happened on Sunday to be the the quote-unquote send-off for Eli. You know, that that being said, if, if Daniel Jones is 70% healthy, if he's 75% healthy, his legs are a big part of what he does. You want him to be able to push off properly. You don't want him to, to further aggravate that injury and, and wind up losing preparation time throughout the off season. So I can see it either way. If it's me, I probably play him if he's healthy, just because he is your guy. You've already gone down that road. You've already made that clear. 
So, but but if he's but if he's if there's any question about his health, you leave him on the bench. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's going to be. I suspect it's going to be an all or nothing with him. It, it, it's either you know, look, he's going to be a hundred percent to go or close to a hundred percent, or or if he's seventy percent, maybe they just say you know, like you said. Why risk it? Because it, like you said, his legs are a big part of his game. And, and uh, you know, it, it's a tricky situation. But just to be clear, for those of you who think that I'm, you know, I want Eli to start forever. I understand Daniel is the future. I have no problem with it. I think the kid is going to be very, very good. But, you know, at the same time, I don't want to see that ankle injury aggravated to where he does end up losing time in the offseason time that he's going to need to work on some of the holes in his game so that's where i'm coming from ed let's take a break when we come back we got to talk defense so folks stay with us we'll be right back the original casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce Get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked NFL and using locked NFL at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. And for all the special offers from the Locked On Podcast Network's family of sponsors, visit lockedonpodcasts.com slash offers to get your codes today. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you, and I'm joined by Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, my good friend, who left me out of his article. Hey, I had to get that in again, Ed. I'm sorry. I've got to rash your butt. Man, <laughs> I am in big trouble, and, and I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> hey, man. Well, listen, if you knew it, that's, you're getting even with me because I left the, the, the seating area to go up top to work, aren't you? That's what it is, there, right? There it is. There, there it, is. it is. See, I just gave him an out, folks. I just gave Ed an out. The inner sanctions of the press box, which st- happens in the press box, is supposed to stay in the press box, but... Only on the Locked on Giants podcast do we give you the inside scoop on what goes on in the press box. So anyway, Ed, let's talk defense. First game without Janoris Jenkins, the young defensive backs. Now, there were times when they were playing some press coverage. They looked better. Not a whole lot in terms of, you know, major breakdowns or concerns. What did you think about the young defensive backs post Jackrabbit? Well, Patty, I have to say this first and foremost, I have to talk about DeAndre Baker. Baker had a a defensive pass interference toward the end of the game yesterday, and he gave up a sort of meaningless touchdown at the end of the game when Devontae Parker got inside position on him. But if you watch that game, DeAndre Baker played really well. He had a couple of pass breakups. He was in good position the entire game. He has now played three straight solid football games. And that for me is a really good sign for him going forward. I felt really good for Sam Beal making the big play on that safety. He got targeted a little bit, you know, early in the game, but he hung with it. I don't remember him giving up any big plays and he ended up making a big play. And and it just reminded me of something that Dave Gettleman said way back in the summer. He said, sometimes these guys, you know, they get out there and they have to make that play before they start to realize and start to believe that they actually can do it, that they actually belong. So that was a good day for for Sam Beal. And and every time I watch Julian Love, 
I just wonder how it was that this guy wasn't ready for the first seven or eight weeks of the season because the kid doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, I I don't get that one either. I mean, and that was the the line we kept hearing was that he wasn't ready, wasn't ready, and you know the kid couldn't even explain it because I and and none of his teammates could explain it when I would ask and say what is he not doing that he needs to be doing, and everybody just kind of shrugged and just said, look, he studies, he's prepared, he knows his stuff, he he does well in the classroom, so maybe it was just I don't know. It, it took the injury to Jabril Peppers to to finally you know get him on the field which is unfortunate you don't want to see that but i would have liked to have seen love and peppers back there because let's face it antoine bethay is not the future at that position so i i'm kind of, i feel kind of cheated that we didn't really get to see much of love and, and peppers back there as the, the safety tandem no i feel good about julian love going forward i you know after the last couple of games i feel much better about this young secondary Obviously, you know, I think Corey Ballantyne struggled in the slot some again on, on Sunday. And and I know the Giants spent a lot of time this year trying to convert him from an outside corner to a slot guy. And I'm starting to wonder if that particular move is going to work. But we've seen some improvement from these young players. And, and you know, that's a positive sign, you know, going forward that that you know, maybe part of it is just really beginning to understand what it is that they can do well and can't do well and letting them do that on a on a more consistent basis but however you however you you view it it's a good sign for this defense going forward that that these these kids are playing better Absolutely. And I just want to cite a few stats here from the defensive side of the ball. They had nine passes defense, which I don't remember them ever having that many passes defense in a game this year. So that was a very positive development. And here's another positive development for what it's worth. 11 quarterback hits and three sacks, which meant that they were getting a pass rush. Now, again, the Dolphins offensive line, nobody's going to mistake them for the Cowboys offensive line. But still, sometimes you just need that little, you know, you, you have to go back to square one against maybe lesser competition to get things going. And that was certainly a, a positive development. Your thoughts on the play of the defensive front? I thought the defensive front was good all the way around, Patty. We we pick on, we talk on about Leonard Williams all the time. And again, yesterday, no sacks from Leonard Williams, but he did force a fumble. He was in the backfield. He did have an impact. Dalvin Tomlinson was in the backfield quite a bit. Marcus Golden had a sack and, and, and applied some pressure. I thought it was just, it was a good day for the defensive line, which when you really think about it, the defensive line, that group is really the strength of, of that defense. And, uh, you know, it was a good day. And as you said, it doesn't matter who it was against. The Dolphins were the team that, that the Giants were playing. And if you looked at it and said, well, the Giants had an advantage and they did what they were supposed to do, then you know, how about all the games this year where they didn't do what they were supposed to do? So, so take it as a positive, take it as a good thing. They played well. They sure did. I mean, and Dalvin Tomlinson had a great game. You know, you even saw, you know, the, like you said, you mentioned Leonard Williams, who was, who's obviously looking for that big payday at the end of the year. Uh, 
definitely a strengther. You got to feel good about that unit. Now, if they can add, you know, a premier pass rusher, you know, I don't know if they, they are going to necessarily be able to re-sign Marcus Golden. I wouldn't mind if they brought him back, but I think, you know, if they add a premier pass rusher, whether it's Chase Young or maybe somebody else in free agency, I don't know how they're going to do it, but um, they could have something, you know, really special with that defense. Yeah, you know, as I said, I'm not I'm not ready to go there yet, Patty, but I did think that it was a good sign. It was a really good sign to see a lot of these younger guys step forward, do their jobs, look like they belonged. And and you know, that's the kind of step forward, the kind of progress that we've been kind of begging for, that we were hoping to see, you know, five, six, seven weeks ago. And and it just hasn't hasn't seemed to to have been there uh better late than never i guess but you you just kind of wish it had happened a little sooner you wonder why it didn't happen quicker yeah you know and at one other uh young guy we've got to talk about he's on the offensive side of the ball but he played really really well nick gates i mean i think the giants might very well have solved their right tackle uh, situation for next year. I know Gates played at right guard for Kevin Zeitler, but you figure next year Zeitler and Hernandez are going to be your guards and you figure, you know, Gates maybe becomes the right tackle. And I still think they bring Solder back because of, you know, the cap ramifications and also because he did deal with some injuries. Um, uh, but I think also at, at the same time, maybe they look to add an offensive tackle, you know, to get him ready to succeed when Solder, when they move on from Solder. What did you think about Nick Gates's play? I thought he was terrific, Patty. I really did. You know, and I, I went back the game that he played right tackle for, for Mike Remmers. He was very good. And I found myself wondering this morning, I've talked to, to Nick a couple of times and right tackle is the obvious spot for him, you know, in 2020, who knows what the coaching staff is going to look like, but you know, obviously the giants are pretty set at the guards, right tackle would be the obvious spot, but I found myself wondering if Nick Gates could play center. I, you know, I talked to him about that and, you know, he said he had been trying to learn center. He's been working with Spencer Pulley to try to learn the position, to try to, to master, you know, snapping and blocking at the same time and, and all of that. And I just, because he seems like more of an inside player, more of a natural inside guy, I just found myself wondering if that was a possibility. I don't know, but, but I'm curious. Certainly uh, worth exploring. Now you, Ed, for the final question, you kind of brought this up, so I'll ask you. We don't know what the coaching staff is going to look like. Now, some people wondered if, you know, did Pat Shermer save his job last night? I don't think he did. I think, you know, the, his fate is kind of sealed. What's your take on what they might do at the coaching situation? Patty, I'm going to agree with you on that. I really don't think that anything that happens over the last three games, over the last two games, should really, you know, supersede or override what we've seen, you know, from from Pat Shermer for 29 games prior to that. We know what Pat Shermer is. I thought he actually had a pretty good game yesterday. I've been calling forever for the Giants to run the ball outside, and they didn't do it much yesterday, but the two touchdown runs by Saquon were both to the edges. I was happy to see that. I was happy to see him 
not get away from giving the ball to Barkley, you know, the 24 carries that you referenced. I was kind of happy to see them recognize in the second half that they hadn't gotten Darius Slayton involved in the game in the first half and get the ball to him pretty quickly. So I, I thought he had a better day yesterday calling the game and, and you know, running the game, and, and he did a nice thing for Eli Manning at the end of the game. But I don't think anything that happens over these final three, you know, meaningless games should really override, you know, what what we've already seen and what we've already learned. And and like you, I would be very, very surprised if he's back as head coach next year. Yeah, I think, you know, Shermer's tenure can best be summed up with he does what he's supposed to, but when things kind of go off script, that's where he, he has trouble kind of, I guess, adjusting to when things go off script. So we'll see how it all plays out, Ed, but I'll tell you what, it was great talking about a win. Hopefully, you know, I, I know Giant fans are, want them to lose so they can get Chase Young, keep that number two draft pick. And looking ahead, when they play Washington next week, I believe whoever wins that game is going to tumble out of the top five draft slots. So we'll see how that, that you know, plays out. But uh it should be uh, it should be an interesting last couple of weeks as the Giants bring this otherwise miserable 2019 season to a close. Giant fans, want to thank you as always for listening. I want to thank Ed for coming on, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Don't forget, tomorrow is Twitter Tuesday, and you know what to do. So I look forward to getting your questions and answering them. So take care, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.